Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Dustin, and we got there's there's some good stuff to dig into here. Yeah. So we're in Matthew, a little bit in Luke. I think that's actually the primary place. Wow. We pretty much bounce between those two. <laughs> Man, you get the one time where I don't introduce it and say, we're in the Gospels. <laughs> well, we're in the Gospels. <laughs> still there. Um, the two of them. And basically where we are is like, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. This is one complete thought, one complete sermon. It's very long. <laughs> um, but it, it is important to realize like this is still one lesson that Jesus is teaching to one audience. Yeah, I think we kind of are realizing that more and more as we're reading it, it's like, oh, this actually fits really well within context because I think it's easy. It is easy, and we hear it a lot of people picking out um, parts of Sermon on the Mount. Um, but it makes so much more sense when you read it all together. And I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer. Can I talk about the Lord's Prayer? <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Seems like it would be weird to be like, no, <laughs> we're good. I know. That was a power move on my part. <laughs> Can we talk about prayer? Yes, Chelsea. Um, I want to pray about it first. (laughs) So we just talked about yesterday how Jesus spent time in prayer. Again, Son of God is telling us how we pray, how we should pray. This, I think the Lord's Prayer is so important, and we don't pay attention to it a lot. Mm. Um, So this is how we're supposed to pray, and this is like the outline. I think it'd be really cool, not right now, but (laughs) on your own. (laughs) So like go through each line and think, okay, what does this actually mean? What am I actually praying? Because I think when you pray these things, it sets up our hearts to pray about the rest of the stuff that Jesus is going to talk about. Um, I'm reading a book on prayer by, what's his name? Tim Keller, Timothy Keller. Um, and he talks about the Lord's Prayer and how Augustine and Luther and Calvin all have these big like uh, letters and writings on prayer. And it all starts with this prayer right here. And it, um, it teaches you, they teach you how to pray. And so it's super interesting to read these like old guys writings, um, and how applicable it is and how much we miss the mark on prayer. We're not first seeking God's kingdom. And then what comes after that? Again, it sets up our hearts for what we pray for next. Not that we can't pray for like personal needs or things like that, but when you have God's kingdom and all these other things that Jesus is telling us we can pray for, um, then our hearts are in the right place. It's really good. And again, it's like, what am I hearing you say? Oh, upside down kingdom. Focus on other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so many good, like just little things in that, in those couple of verses, like our God, what is, what is our, our father? What does our father mean? Mm-hmm. What means that like, He's the father of lots of people, not just you. And he's our father in heaven. There's like, there's so many things. If you just go line Mm. by line, it's kind of cool to look through. Uh, My favorite line in this prayer is may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I always thought that was just like a cool thing to memorize. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's actually, (laughs) it's actually like an expectation. Like when Jesus is teaching it, he's saying like, ask God to help you accomplish life. Like life is accomplished in heaven. Hmm. So it's this whole thing of like, to me, what I appreciate is that it pushes it back against this idea of like, I'm saved and I can't wait to be in heaven. Yep. It makes it like Jesus is saying like, okay, you're saved, make earth like heaven. Mm. And it's a much more actively engaged upside down kingdom. Like, right. okay, let's actually do it. The expectation is that we're asking God to help us accomplish life as that is in heaven on earth as we live. 
And we see that. So when Jesus is praying in the garden before he's crucified, he's asking for God's will. So he's mo- he t- tells us how to pray, and he models that prayer yeah. over and over again. I think it's so cool. <laughs> that was my nerdy <laughs> moment. You guys can talk I about mean, like, <laughs> when it. I mean, when it comes to the, the Lord's Prayer, we could literally do hours yeah. on the lines of the Lord's Prayer. It's crazy. So I, I do encourage you, go back and re- reread the Lord's Prayer, maybe with new eyes, actually. Um, it, it's a good exercise, a good thing to be doing. Yeah, definitely. All right. Also, we've talked about worry. Let's get into that. Let's yeah, do just it. don't do it. <laughs> All just, right. Yeah, done. Why, why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? I think, I think what's interesting to me about this, this whole passage of worry is like how applicable it is to us right now because people worry about everything, but it's not like this worry is not a little thing. It's actually dehabilitating. Is that a word? Debilitating. Debilitating. <laughs> dehabilitating, whatever that word is. Oh, like it. it can paralyze you. Worry can paralyze you. And it's actually what I love about this is the context of what Jesus is talking about. Money, possessions, where are you storing up treasure? But it's actually like he he calls out, I've got you. In the same way the lilies in the field are well-dressed, the same way I care about the birds. Like It's that little hope that he gives us to not worry. And that last scripture of verse 34, sorry, 33 and then 34, he gives us the outline of what we can do in our daily life of seek the kingdom of God above all else. So number one, seek me. Number two, live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So what does that mean? Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough. He's actually acknowledging like we might have some troubles, but that's okay. Like I'm going to get you if your heart's right. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I Well, I love it. And I also I'm just like kind of convicted by it in verse 32 where it says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. How often does it dominate my thought and I'm a believer? And I'm yeah, like, oh man, like really that good. is not what my life should look like. It should not be marked by worry if I'm a follower of Christ. It's crazy right now, like in, in culture and context, like immediately this, this moment, how much choosing to live a life. And he's not just saying, don't worry. He's actually saying like actively pursue faith in the opposite. Um, But how much choosing not to worry, choosing to have faith that we don't need to worry is so countercultural. I mean, like, can you imagine, Maybe so you don't have to imagine, maybe you're experiencing it, but like choosing to have faith in God's plan in this moment, this exact moment in history, um, can actually strike people as like wildly irresponsible. Yeah. It's like, good. how are you not terrified? How are you not freaking out about everything? Like finance seems crazy. Health seems crazy. Structure seems crazy. And we're literally going to sit in it and be like, Hey, actually, like, I think, I think I'm still in God's hands. And I think that's what jumps out to me the most about 33 is like, how do you imply what seek the kingdom of God above all else looks like? It's actually, that's sanctification. That's all these things. That's like becoming more like Christ. That's growing in a relationship. If you actually do seek God above all else, because quite frankly, the reality is I don't seek God above all else. Mm. So it's one of those things that you can say, like, we do it, but really our habit is to not seek God above all else. It's, it's to actually be influenced by things of the world, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. spend our time elsewhere. So he like gives us the plan. And I think that's why it sticks out to me so much because we miss that. 
living righteously and seeking the kingdom. <laughs> How upside down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also just, again, Jesus's kind of emphasis on heaven and hell. I It stuck out to me again that Jesus teaches on hell a lot. <laughs> like just the the tree with the bad fruit being thrown into fire. That's not just like a wood, wood burning pile. <laughs> that's like actually hell. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those things, maybe like side tangent, like the, the, the hell, like street corner preachers, like they do get a lot of flack and I, that's not my thing at all. Right. Like we need to talk about the love of Jesus, mm -hmm. but scripturally speaking, you hit the nail on the head. Like Jesus actually does talk about hell a lot, but if you miss the love piece, it's, it's a little bit out of context. Right. There's definitely a balance there that he strikes. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't shy away from it. Jesus as a preacher is, is pretty controversial and pretty bizarre. Yeah. Like, like he's not, he actually is not this super calm, like 100%. I love everybody's like, I mean, he is standing on a street corner and saying, if you don't live like this, you'll be cut <laughs> off the branch and thrown in the fire. Like, yep. how's that not somebody that today we would think is a little bit crazy. And I think somebody alert, said that they actually thought he was crazy. And I was walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, they probably did. And it, it does, it does strike us as off. Yeah. Um, and it, it may not be the best ministry method in our context, perhaps, but, but I think, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's preaching like Jesus as far as that, but like understanding that Jesus, like Jesus theology, like this is yeah. a real thing. Hell is not like a made up place. It's actually something that Jesus believes in and Jesus himself is God. The, the thing that hits me about that, which is absolutely crazy is like, there wasn't this line of people waiting for Jesus to go to the cross. Like he made that decision without really knowing that there's going to be follow through. So if that's me in that moment going to the cross, it's like, you better not do this or my death means nothing. <laughs> like that's why he did it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's what drew him to it, to do the will of the father as a sacrifice. Yeah. So heaven and hell to him was his life. Yeah. And it's he knew he was going to defeat life. it. And also that's where you see the compassion. It's like, he right. knows it's a real thing. And he, he like, he did this for us. He, yeah. he died for us. Um, yeah. That's good. So I think it is important to call out within the context of what we read today. This is still, it, it, the message is actually not done. Like Jesus right. is still preaching like into tomorrow. Um, it's very important to understand this is one message because there's any number of headings that you can pull out and they're very confusing, like as a standalone message. <laughs> Adultery, divorce. <laughs> yeah. But even like, so particularly here, Matthew, Matthew seven, seven to 11. Again, it's part of a sermon. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. It's like, sweet. I can ask Jesus for anything I want and he will give it to me. It's in the Bible. It's like, yeah. no, that's not how this works. <laughs> because what he preached about right before that is stop caring about everything. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so when the first breath is stop caring about everything, seek the Lord with all your heart. And then he says, ask, seek, knock. Like ask for it, seek it, knock and the door will be open. What is the door? What are we being open to? We're being open to a relationship with God that allows yeah. us to be faithful. It, this is not a great way to get new shoes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's not. I think um. what hits me the most about that is, and you're right on about it, is do we think it's possible Jesus gives us things that we don't ask for? The answer is, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So an example of that, like when Kristen and I went through a miscarriage, we're, we're praying for healing, right? We're praying for everything to be okay. That didn't happen. But what God gave us was community. Mm. What he gave us was stronger, stronger discipleship moments. What he gave us was 
people around us with love to help us get through and like new relationships formed out of there. So you go from like this healing who's like, Oh, why isn't God giving us everything we want to? Oh, so God actually makes all things new. So he stands on that promise. So new things are formed out of it, Mm -hmm. which is why it lines up with life from ashes, beauty from ashes. Like he's always working in that way. So if we looked at the things that God can supply that we don't know, like that's who he is because he's the God of provision constantly. And Jesus brings that to us. That's really good. So keep on asking because you will receive something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Yeah. (laughs) the whole judgment thing I think is just really sticks out. Like talks about not seeing the speck because you've got a log in your eye, but then he goes on a little bit later in Matthew seven, like 16, he's essentially saying like, you can look at fruit of people. And you can look at the fruit that they're producing, right? So he's not saying judge them, but talking about that a good tree can't produce bad fruit in the, in the example of people that always sticks out to me in a, in a, a weird way, looking at the sermon on the Mount, like, wait, you're saying it's almost contradictory in a way that that's why you need to spend time in the word. Do you know what stuck out to me from the, the, the log and the spec? They both have something in their eye that shouldn't be in their eye. Yeah, that's true. I, I know, like, that sounds dumb, <laughs> but actually, I've heard this preached several times where the takeaway seems to be, like, we'll be gracious. I was like, no. The point yeah. of the story is actually you both need to clean out your eye. Yeah. There's sin. <laughs> There's sin, and, and no the expectation, what. the implication from what Jesus is saying is that it should not be there. Yeah. So, like, okay, so, like, I noticed something about my friend that's not right. It doesn't mean I don't call it out. It means I look at myself, I clean out what's in me, and then I help him clean out what's in him. The expectation is still that the speck would be gone. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's very crazy because I was reading through it and I was like, oh, wait, both <laughs> things shouldn't be there. And we shouldn't ever read that passage and think like, oh, I think I'm kind of okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I noticed is in Matthew 7, verse 28, Jesus had finished saying these things, and the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, mm. quite unlike yeah. the teachers of religious law. Yeah, so, that's a good burn. <laughs> uh, you know what's hilarious about that? And I didn't get to talk about it last week, or yesterday. Um, he actually quotes a passage. I'm, I'm just going to go straight back to it. Um, it. This is, uh, shoot, I should have thought about my segue before I segued. Uh, Matthew, keep on segue. Yeah, here we go, guys. <laughs> This Ramble. is Matthew five forty three. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The law actually does not say that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't actually say that at all. So when, when it says that they were looking at him as a teacher that taught with authority, guess what? All the other teachers were actually lying. Yeah. So like, it's not hard to it's come crazy. with authority when you're actually speaking the truth. Mm. And so when Jesus is saying like, hey, you've heard that the, the law says hate your neighbor, it was easy for him to say that because all the other teachers were lying about that. And it struck his audience as like, whoa, this is a new truth. Well, why? Because the actual truth had been hidden. And so, of course, he had authority. Yeah. And I was thinking that when you were saying that before, I these people would have known, like, known what the scriptures say, right? <sighs> <laughs> if they were, and it, 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 I sigh because it's actually really applicable to us today. If all they did was rely on what their pastor said, they actually may not have known. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying if they would have heard Jesus saying these things, it probably resonated. It was probably like, oh, that actually rings true with what I've read. Not what, maybe what I've been taught, but yes. what I've read. It was like, oh, that actually does seem like God. Yeah. 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 I, I just love also segueing to a conclusion here. 
building, get us there, building get on us a there. solid foundation. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. Just the beginning of that 724. Anyone who listens to my teaching follows, follows it is wise. And he goes on to explain how wise it is by building that foundation. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been saying over the last couple of days, how easy do, or how often do we miss it? How easy is it to miss? Do we actually build a strong foundation in Jesus or do we just do like church things? Mm-hmm. Do we just play church games? Do we just show up? Because building a foundation is the most important piece of the house. Yeah. I mean, you talk about listening to my teaching and following it. We've just read all these difficult things that we're <laughs> supposed to do. But in actuality, as we're following Christ, as we're becoming more and more like him, it shouldn't be quite as difficult as we keep growing in our faith. Right? Is that the goal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Guys, thanks for listening. It's been it's been amazing. Uh, <laughs> come back tomorrow. Join us. We're going to talk about uh, the faith of a Roman soldier. All right. <laughs> Bye. See you later. See ya. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. This is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard with which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log you have in your eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log that's in your eye? Hypocrite! First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide for the many who chose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is very difficult, and only a few ever find it. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Luke 6, starting in verse 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. 
Get away from me, you who broke God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Luke 6, verse 46. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.